Thanks for tuning in to the Boiler Express podcast. Join us each week as we dive into all things Purdue sports. You'll hear in-depth analysis of our previous and upcoming games, as well as interviews with players and people involved in the Purdue sports fandom. Be sure to check us out on Twitter and YouTube for our live stream shows as well. Welcome into the Boiler Express podcast. Um, we've got three of our normal five, um, but we also have three of our buddies over there at the Sky U uh, podcast. As you all know, we're partnered with Big Banter, and as part of uh, our obligations with Big Banter Sports, we're doing these collaborations with any Big Ten opponents uh, before we play them each week. And it's been a lot of fun. Um, it's it's increased a lot of um, camaraderie and um, brought a lot of uh, a good talk and social media awareness to all of our podcasts so um before i welcome in them, them in though uh, i do want to talk about our sponsors at the boiler express uh martin vintage is our newest sponsor you can see the shirt that they sent us all uh, modeling go, it well russ yeah hey i try i try um go check them out use the code bxp at checkout for 10 percent off um all their cool kind of old school takes on uh on purdue sports and purdue shirts that we've got and uh Oh, we got comments already. Nice. Um, our other big sponsor is the Blitzboards. Um, go check them out on Twitter. Um, that's the easiest way to get a hold of them. Dylan is modeling that for you all. Like a um, price is a, right model. <laughs> it's uh, kind of a cool tailgate game. Um, it's a combination of a lot of things you might be familiar with, from uh, Yahtzee to Cornhole to Beer Pong. It's just kind of got its its own thing going. It's, it's a lot of fun once you get into it. Um, and uh, yeah, go check them out. They do great work, but uh, welcome in. We got Kurt, Max, and Spencer from the Sky U Pod. How you guys doing? Doing good. Doing good. Uh, we were at a bachelor party down in Arizona watching the Gophers epic collapse there at the uh, end of the Illinois game, but had some drinks, put it behind us, and looking forward to taking on Purdue now. Awesome. Max, Spencer, yeah. how y'all doing? Great. Good. Thanks yeah. for having us on. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, like so, said, um, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I was going to say, we're still trying to recover from both the loss and the weekend. So <laughs> we are uh, definitely looking forward to moving on and talking about this next weekend. Yeah, well, as the uh, three of us above you could tell you, it, it could get worse. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we definitely had a, a rough season. Um, I think that we're one of those teams that you could say we're better than what our record shows. But at the same time, you are what your record says you are. So uh, we do have a game this Saturday. Uh, I believe it's at 3.30 Eastern on, is it Peacock? I believe it's we Peacock got NBC. Network. We're big time. Oh, is it NBC? Okay. Look at us. I guess we Purdue fans just got used to seeing like three or four games in a row on Peacock Network, and we thought that's all we could get now. Especially the olds, the man, the olds hate the Peacock. They get so upset. <laughs> oh, they get so mad. It's the, the nickel and diamond, man. Oh, it's, well, it's like. Every time you want to read an article, you got to buy something. Every time we're on ESPN Plus, you got to buy ESPN Plus. We're on BTN Plus, you got to buy BTN. Hey, you Plus. know who doesn't do that? You know who doesn't have to pay for this podcast? Everybody doesn't have to. Everybody. Because yeah. God knows That's we right. do not need to charge for this. That's right. That's right. So I think, um, was the last I saw, Purdue was actually a one point favorite? Yeah. So yeah. Purdue is a, is a one point home favorite. Um, the over under is 46 and a half. Um, and I guess we'll go back up top here. Frank, Dylan, how do you guys feel about this game coming up Saturday? Well, um, if, if you would ask me two weeks ago, I would have said I wasn't feeling great. Um, fourth quarter, you know, after seeing Minnesota uh, this past weekend, no offense to Minnesota, it just reminded me that the Big Ten West is just a slugfest. 
uh, that anyone can win at the night. Um, so I honestly don't know, and I think that's why Vegas doesn't seem to know either. Um, so that's uh, that's my take. Uh, yeah, no, I'm hoping I can go to the game. Um, I've kind of just remembered right now it was it's at home, so that's good. Good on me, great fan. Uh, no, I'm hoping Purdue bounces back from Michigan. Um, there's a tough outing there in Ann Arbor. Our guy Chris was at the game. He doesn't have a voice, so he's not here tonight, so he can't speak on the atmosphere there at the big house. Uh, but yeah, um, I'm, I'm predicting boilers by a billion. You know that. That's my that's my go-to. Okay, Kurt, Max, Spencer, how you guys feel? Uh, you know, I I had probably have to second what you know Frank was saying. You know, two weeks ago, I probably would have looked ahead, you know, and said. I feel like we're pretty confident against, you know, an Illinois team and, and a Purdue team who both, you know, have been kind of on the downside this year. But again, it's the Big Ten West. It's a slugfest. And now I, I'm I'm not really surprised that it's shifted by one point. Uh, we kind of were talking about it before we came on the podcast. But yeah, I just from the outside, you know, as someone from the inside looking at Minnesota, we've been watching this team. Anything could happen. You know, this Minnesota team has been so inconsistent. They've been giving up, you know, big leads. So uh, it's it's a little worrisome to see what's going to happen this weekend. Yeah, I think watching, you know, earlier in the day we saw Indiana beat Wisconsin and it was kind of like, oh man, if we can, you know, just put Illinois away, then we kind of definitely still own our own our destiny in the West. And then dropping that with the backup quarterback coming in in the last drive was like, oh yeah, you can't really expect anything or look past anyone. So I feel like coming into the Purdue game, especially in a away game after that tough loss, is just we just got to regroup. Hopefully, PJ can can get the guys focused. He always talks about, you just got to go one and O in the Purdue season, which I guess that makes sense to stay focused. So hopefully they can do that. Yeah. Everyone outside the top three, you know, Ohio state, Penn state, Michigan. Uh, I feel like it's pretty random. Who's going to show up that week. Maybe Rutgers is that next team, maybe Iowa. Um, I can't give Iowa that though, since we beat them this year, but uh, yeah, it's just, I think a lot of Big Ten West teams feel this way. It's been a roller coaster, but for the Gophers, I know it's kind of a roller coaster within the game. There's stretches of the game where we are playing lights out. Even last week, I thought there were times the offense looked as good as it has maybe all year. And then just a couple drives where maybe we get a little too conservative or we just miss some wide open plays and it, the game just completely gets flipped on its head. So I don't know what to expect. Um, you know, looking into what these teams have done, I'm going to put out a prediction, but I I have no idea what's going to happen this Saturday. Yeah, it seems like we're we're kind of right back where we were last year. You know, different teams in different spots, but that's the way it felt last year is there was five or six teams in the Big Ten West that were like, okay, you know, Team X just lost. We would control our destiny, and then, you know, they go and lose and drop the ball. And it's like at some point it felt like a four-loss team was going to end up going to the Big Ten championship. Luckily – you know, Purdue held on at six and three and we were able to go, but it didn't feel like a year where we won it. It was just, it felt like a year where we didn't lose it as much as everybody else did. Um, so yeah. You okay there, Dylan? 
you just showing off the cigar there yeah no eric from uh, the ohio podcast sent us cigars and so i forgot my my humidors right here so shout out to eric uh haven't the the weather here in ohio has been terrible so i've been able to enjoy any of these but soon soon there you go she just act like it it's like shout out to eric yeah i don't (laughs) listen never mind you know not to sidetrack or anything but like you said, Purdue last year, they hang on to the, the season. They make it to a Big Ten championship. That's just something the Gophers just cannot do. It, it's, and that's what's really frustrating. It seems like for the past three years, it seems like the Gophers have had an opportunity to maybe come out on top. And this year especially, I felt like this is the your best shot. It seems like everyone is down and yet just can't get it done and that's what's so disappointing and frustrating and as you all know the big 10 is just going to change completely next year and who knows what's going to happen when that when that happens so yeah it's it's frustrating but but hey you know you get excited you get up for it classic big 10 west matchup you know last west matchup between minnesota and purdue so it'll be fun either way but yeah, I just wish that we could have got one under the belt um, before, you know, these divisions kind of fade away. Yeah. Hey, never say never. Like we said, nope. nobody's really out of it until the season's over. We'll if see what Purdue happens. Purdue can make it, anybody can make it. Um, I do I think – I want to take a second to address a, a viewer comment here. Um, and this is something we did kind of plan to talk about with you all, so it, it's, it's fitting, but is we're all the one calling me Castro? No. Okay. Ask these guys if they are ready to move on from Fleck. This is from. I think we all are as a conference. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, uh, Minnesota crew, um, we'll, we'll let you guys take the ship on this one. What do you think? Uh, like, just kind of assess what you think of uh, PJ Fleck as a whole and, you know, how, how he came in and how he's doing now and maybe where some of his shortcomings. But if you can just give us a sense for not only you all, but how the fan base feels as a whole, I uh, would love to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, um, I guess I'll start. So, We'll start off with he's not going anywhere. He just signed the contract extension last year. He beat Iowa, kind of got that, uh, you know, finally conquered that, you know, feat that he hadn't done yet for a while. And so now we're kind of left in year seven, and it's just a lot of the same, like Spencer said, that we've seen the past three, four years now. Um, Terrible special teams, pretty conservative uh, play calling, and just kind of, plays it overly safe. Um, But at the same time, you know, we're stronger in the trenches than we've been previously before he got here. Always have a solid running game. And as much as I hate to say it, there has been a consistency in this program that we probably haven't seen. Um, I would argue that the regime before that started bringing that in, and then he kind of bumped it up a level with that 2019 season. But, um, yeah, I – I don't think I'm ready to move on from yet as much as it's disappointing these last two years of how we felt like we were close to being that team in the West. Um, yeah, I, I don't think he's going to go anywhere. And I think you still just got to play it out for at least another year. If it's another year similar to like this, where it's like going to be six and six or maybe a five and seven year, then I think you can talk about moving on. I don't think we're there yet though. Yeah. I feel like, and we've all kind of agreed or talked about it that, you know, PJ has been a great recruiter and he has brought in a lot of talent. Uh, that's been a big spot, you know, even with the, like Kurt mentioned the previous regime, we'd bring in two, three stars, but we just kind of 
you know, we saw a lot of growth within the program where guys would come in kind of unknown and they leave going to the NFL, whereas now guys are coming in, they do have four stars next to their name. And it's kind of nice to see, um, you know, more talented players wanting to come to Minnesota. Uh, on the flip side, the progress or as far as player development just hasn't always been there under PJ Fleck. Um, and then as far as X's and O's goes during the game, and we we joke, but I, I would seriously, I wish he didn't have a headset. Like he, I don't know what he, what he's thinking sometimes. His usage of timeouts, his just game management has been terrible and cost us games. Um, so from a recruiting, from a culture standpoint, I have no problem with them. I like to see him less on camera um, and hear less from him. But I just, I hope the X's and O's, he can figure it out. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's new staff or what, but. I feel like I'm right down the middle. There's days I want him gone, then we win. It's like, okay, you can. I guess he can stay. Hmm. Yeah, um, I I kind of agree with what both Max and Kurt said. PJ will get these players to drink the Kool Aid. You know, he's got all these mantras. He's got all, yep, row the boat. You know, it's just everywhere, plastered all over his office. And you know what? If you go up, come to the University of Minnesota, you kind of have to buy into that. And I think that he has a good way of instilling culture in his team. And I think that goes a long way. But like Max said, it's not really an X's and O's kind of guy with PJ Fleck. He needs coordinators around him to kind of be those people. And I think if you're looking at our special teams, it's been like horrendous, the worst of the Big Ten for many years. Um, and you kind of see some hiccups on offense, especially um, here and there. So he just really has to look in the mirror and say, all right, how can we improve, you know, as a team outside of this culture that he's built? Yeah, I don't know if drinking the Kool-Aid is maybe the best statement when the, uh, we had the preseason cult talk of that going on down up there. <laughs> but you, Like just when the guy talks, you're like, ah, yeah, you could see him running a cult. I mean, like, I don't I'm sure he's a great guy. How hungover is done. I'm not. Listen, I went to bed at like nine <laughs> last bit, night, Damon. Bit. Damon in the comments, except for hosting. Wow. Anyway, uh, he he could absolutely run a cult. Here, here's my thing with PJ Flight. He wears a shirt and tie under a quarter zip. That looks so uncomfortable. It's not even like for me, that would be the most uncomfortable thing you could wear on the sideline. The maroon pants, the run-in from one end to the other when they switch. And it's just he's he, the dude, I don't know what he drinks or does. But like I need some of it because that energy is is is, is cool. Yeah, you know, I'll say it. Uh, so, how do you guys feel about row the boat? Is that something you're about? Is it something you like? Is it something you hate? Well, okay. I don't like the oars or any of it on the uniforms. Oh, that would piss um, me off too. I don't blame you. Yeah, every team's got their slogan. Uh, so if it's row the boat, that's fine. Um, you know, the prior regime here was brick by brick, but there's... Hey, we had that one, too. <laughs> yeah. Shout so, out to Daryl Hazel. It wasn't good. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm fine with having a phrase and using it. You know, it's got a meaning to PJ. You know, he's, I get he went through a tough thing in his personal life, and he brought it in to uh, to kind of be his philosophy as a coach, which is which is fine. That's cool. I just don't like it on the uniforms and I'm not going to wear like the or gear or stuff like that, but that's fine. You know, if it gets people excited about the program, like for the majority of Minnesotans, by all means use it. Cause I want, 
you know the brand to get as big as possible so i mean i think the slogan itself makes sense like you're all rowing the boat in unison so it's like a teamwork we got legs here it makes sense but like putting a boat oar on the helmet is just it's like all right that's a little much but you're you're preaching the choir so as far as this podcast goes these podcast hosts what's the other one ski you ma Sky Yuma. Sky Yuma. Now the the coach. We talked about this right before we came on, Dylan. I even made sure (laughs) we're going to pronounce it correctly. I don't do words good. I don't do so. Like we know, we get this. This is old news. Uh, But the coach before Fleck made that right. That's been around the school for hundreds of years. Oh wow, that's been a school. That's been like a fight fighting term for for a while. See, but that Um, sounds way cooler than anything else. Well, it was from one of the local tribes, like Native American tribes. Oh, that's Uh, Because way back when, the story is like there was an or like a rowing match, funny enough. Oh, wow. Um, Or I don't know if it was rowing or canoeing back then, you know, something in the boat. And so when this tribe won, they yelled like Sky, it was like Sky U. It it sounded like Sky U. I think it was like, I don't remember what the end. The different was, the ending was different. And so one of the the captains on the Minnesota, you know, canoe team, whatever it was, they were that kind of coined it as Sky U Ma to fight in with the rah rah fight song of the school. And I so like that's it. been that's been a part of the school for like a hundred years or so, so. When we first signed with Banter and I was looking through the list of podcasts, I saw your guys' name and I was like, that's that's a good name. There's some bad ones. Yours is a good one. <laughs> yeah, I give you props for that. It's a real good it one. was it was all Max. Max came up with it. Yeah, it's my only good idea ever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the idea guy either. Don't worry. I'm just here to for nothing really. What's your so, signals, Eric? Um, to to try to get into the game a little bit and kind of let each of our followers uh, kind of know what to expect from the other team because you know we did some season previews before uh, the season even started, but we both know that things have changed. Personnel has changed. Injuries have happened. You know, schemes have had to change because of the results on the field. Um, so, Frank, uh, why don't you kind of let these guys below us know what our offense is kind of going through and maybe what to expect uh, when we're on offense. And uh, keep in mind when we get to these breakdowns, it's supposed to be a beautiful day on Saturday. Uh, I think it's like 61 degrees, pretty much clear, maybe partly cloudy. So weather should not be a factor and it should not change the game plans. Well, and uh, historically, you know, we don't actually play very well in inclement weather. Um, we've only won two games this season, uh, one of which was uh, extremely wet. Uh, we had a six-hour rain delay, so uh, maybe, maybe we need some bad weather. Uh, but, you know, offensively, uh, we're, we're pretty banged up. We're getting um, really creative on the offensive line, shuffling guys around. I think it was confirmed that Gus Harwig, our starting center, has played every position on the offensive line this season. Uh, we're missing a starting, uh, starting tight end, just lost another receiver in uh, Rashawn Rice. Abdul Rahman Yassin uh, is questionable. Um, so, you know, offensively, we're, we're, we're pretty banged up. And, um, you know, according to PFF, Minnesota's biggest strength is their, their coverage. Um, so it's going to make for a really interesting game, I think. I think it's going to be, you know, a low-scoring game. Um, and offensively, I think it's going to be, you know, maybe a 200- to 250-yard game offensively from Purdue. And I think that, you know, Purdue's strength being its pass rush uh, is just going to make for a really interesting dynamic and it's really interesting matchup uh, between between Purdue and Minnesota. Um, so, you know, given given that, you know, Minnesota sitting at five and four kind of controls its own destiny as far as a postseason uh, is concerned, um, 
how do you feel about where things are? What has surprised you about Minnesota's team? Uh, and what has what has exceeded your expectations? Is what what's kind of fallen below expectations? Just how are you feeling right now about your performance? And, and you know, how do you see this game kind of unfolding uh, from your perspective? Spencer, I'll let you start this one. Sure. Um, what's kind of exceeded my expectations? I think the offensive line, honestly, has done a little better than I thought they have. Um, you know, we've lost a stud running back out of Mo Ibrahim. You know, we had a lot of uh, vets on the offensive line as well. So they kind of reloaded up front and they've done tremendously well. Um, same with the defensive line. You know, in this whole PJ Fleck era, we haven't really seen much action from the front on defense. And this year they're doing really well. So I've been really impressed with that. Um, in terms of disappointment, Boy, I feel like just kind of collectively on defense, it seems like some games they're really stout and then other games they'll just blow it. And I think we saw that, you know, at Illinois, you know, against Illinois, you know, we have an All-American safety um, who, out of Tyler Newbin who seems like he just kind of totally misanticipates a play, lets someone behind him or just misses a pursuit. And that's sometimes been disappointing. It's almost as if there's a lack of communication throughout the defense um, and a defense that has been pretty disciplined over the past few years. So I'd say that offensively, it's been disappointing because of PJ Flex nature. Um, he's very conservative and we have a new quarterback out of Ethan Cali Manis. Um, and we haven't really been able to see him develop because he run the ball 30 to 40 times a game. Um, I wish we would kind of be more balanced on offense. Um, but otherwise, those are kind of what I'm looking at, you know, as, as a fan. Well, that was one thing in our kind of preseason preview uh, talking about the Big Ten was, you know, uh, how do you replace a guy like Ibrahim? Like he, he, I, and I, I'm happy he's gone. I mean, he was a, he was a freight train. Uh, of a running back and then you know obviously bringing in a new quarterback you know how does how, how does that look but I think um, you know that is kind of as you all talked about that's kind of the identity uh, that at least in my perception of Minnesota is that they're they're always going to win the battle in the trenches and they're going to bring it every time it's almost kind of approaching what we expect from uh, maybe previous coaching regime uh, from Wisconsin um, but that's um, that's a really interesting uh, and take there you, you, know, you want to see a little bit more balance um, out of the offense um, Anyone else have anything to add to that? That was a great take. I think for me offensively, my biggest, you know, the thing I've been most pleased with is Darius Taylor, obviously just as a true freshman running back, kind of taking over that RB1 role from Mo Ibrahim. Um, and I think the biggest surprise for me is just, we didn't even really hear his name in the offseason. He didn't even play that first game against Nebraska. Um, all we heard about was Sean Tyler, who was transferring in from Western Michigan, who he's now had so many fumbling issues that he's barely going to see the field probably for the rest of the season. Hopefully, um, you know, we were all high on Zach Evans, who was kind of a younger back that we saw a little bit last year and he's shown a little bit of promise, um, but he's also been banged up along with Darius. So yeah, I think for me, the biggest plus side is just that we do have kind of that stud running back um, to kind of start over with as a freshman. My question uh, from a Purdue fan's perspective uh, about your guys' defense would be, um, what what does your pass rush look like? What does your defensive line look like? Because that that seems to be what could trip us up the most. Um, 
like Frank was talking about, our O-line has been a revolving door at pretty much every position, not just in the way that they block being a revolving door, but the fact that we've seen three, four, five different guys at each position at this point in the season. Um, when we can protect Hudson Card and we can kind of get our run game going with a little bit of momentum, you know, we look like a pretty pretty daggone good football team. But when we can't, it's three and out, three and out, turnover, three and out. So um, how have you guys been at, at kind of getting pressure, not just in, in the pass rush, but also in the run game? Yeah, I would say the D-line has been the strength of this defense. Um, it's deep this year. It's by far the most athletic we've had. Um, Jod Joyner does not lead the team in sacks, but he by far generates the most pressures out of anyone. Um, all Gopher fans tweet it out every Saturday. I, we feel like he gets held maybe five times a game, and he, he just never seems to draw one, but he's always right there next to the quarterback. Um, he's got a couple strip sacks on the year. Devin Eastern is a redshirt sophomore uh, D-tackle. He's really come on at um, generating pressure up the middle. And then you have the the senior leader, Kyler Baugh, um, who's also getting pressure up the middle. So, And then you got guys that were rotating, like Jalen Logan Redding. I think Danny Strigano uh, actually leads us in sacks, which is funny because he's kind of more like the uh, the run-disciplined D-end, if you will. But, um, yeah, so we're excited about the D-line. So if that's what it comes down to, we're, we're thrilled. Um, I will say, though, quarterbacks that can move a little bit uh, – we've letting them get out of the pocket and then had breakdowns in the back end. So um, that would be my biggest concern is just the defense is very athletic and we feel like they're a gifted, you know, defense talent wise, but there's just been lapses in not knowing what the situation is or um, letting guys get out uh, like out of the pocket and make plays downfield. So um I would say this, if I'm Purdue, I'm trying to target the opposite safety, usually usually green, um, the opposite safety of Tyler Newbin and man, or just do the the quick outs to try and get the linebackers moving side to side. Because outside of Cody Lindenberg, um, that's probably been a little bit of, uh, of an inconsistency as our linebackers' ability to cover the pass. So, um, yeah, that's what I got. And it was interesting um... – for to hear Ryan Walters in his press conference this week talk about Tyler Newbin and was saying that he was just a guy that he chalked up as being an automatic, like he's gone, he's going to the NFL. Uh, and then he said he, you know, he, he didn't realize that he was back until he saw him at Big Ten Media Day and was like, what's this guy doing back? Like he, he should have gone. So, uh, you know, really special talent there in that guy. And I'll be really curious to see what, uh, what Graham Merrill tries to do to, to, to scheme and then try to get him on the opposite side of the field as, you know, the, the play is being run. Uh, so re really excited to see just to, just to see him. Uh, you know, we have an up and coming true freshman safety uh, on on our defense. Uh, um, Jacob Thieneman, not Jacob Thieneman, Dylan Thieneman. Wow, there's been, there's been three Thieneman brothers. Sorry, yeah, Dylan Thieneman, who's been um, who's been electric, um, and I'll be uh, really excited to see how he does against your receiving core as well. Uh, Russ, I'm sorry, I think I interrupted you right there. Oh no, you're good, you're good. I was just like, man, we got a Dylan on the show, and you got Dylan's name wrong. I don't. Listen, we all know Dylan's are pure athletes, okay? No <laughs> doubt about it. Speaking of, Dylan, do you have anything that you guys – you want to warn these guys about or or give them, you know, confidence about – We all know I do so much prep before podcasts and games. We know I'm in here watching film 24 – now I got nothing. Dude, listen, boy, <laughs> no, it'll be a great game. I expect a really good close game, but no, I got nothing. Yeah, I will say uh, to y'all's point, um, you know, Card has displayed – you know, some mobility 
this year, not nearly as much as what I think Purdue fans have wanted to see. Uh, we think he could do more with his legs, but he's also been pretty pretty banged up. So we, you know, we don't want him kind of pushing the issue, especially I mean, he's in the dealing season. with an injured O line that's torn to hell. So yeah, not not yeah. ideal, you know, when you're a scrambler. Yeah. Um, so as far as our our defense goes, you know, Frank already mentioned Dylan Thienman kind of being one of the up and coming stars on our defense, but uh, we also have two of the best pass rushers in the league. If you haven't heard about them, um, Nick Scorton and Cadron Jenkins have the, I think, the most sacks and or tackles for loss of any duo in the Big Ten. Uh, so, you know, we're, we've got some stars. We've got some good pieces on the defense. Uh, so that'll stand out to you, definitely, the way they can get after the quarterback. But I think the thing that will surprise you all the most, have any of you caught a Purdue game yet by chance? Have you seen any? Yeah, it's been a few weeks. The last one I saw, you guys were lighting up Illinois, so I was feeling pretty good last week. But, okay, so um... did you notice anything different about our defense? I'm probably not going to say the right answer, so no. Oh, no, you're, you're good. You're good. So Frank liked this analogy, so I'll use it again. Have you all played Madden before? Yeah. So yeah. you ever remember the play that is punt return like safe man? Mm-hmm. So that, that's kind of what I, I joke about our defense kind of looking like. We we put like most most – for the most part, we put 10 guys within three or four yards of the line of scrimmage. And then you'll often see Dylan Thieneman 20, 25 yards off the line of scrimmage. Way like, out. Like, you might watch the game. He's not even on point, the screen. Yeah, you might think, man, Purdue's only playing with 10 guys. They're pulling a Notre Dame here. What's going on? <laughs> but, no, D- Dylan Thieneman is just so far off the screen that you can't you can't see him. He's so far off the line. So, But he does collapse on the ball quickly. He, he's not a guy that just stands out there and waits for something to come his direction. He'll count to two or three, and then he'll – he'll make a read. He'll either go after a receiver over the top or he'll go after the run game, whatever. But um, that's the thing that I think that will stand out the most um, about our defense is, is kind of how he, he prides himself in not really having a name for the defense. That's Co- Coach Walters, that is. Um, and he's not. there's not really any one scheme that he uses as far as you know what guys are going to do, rushing the, rushing the ball, going into zone, going into man. He just – tries to confuse as much as possible. He tries to switch up the looks as much as possible. And that's kind of been his calling card as far as defense goes. Um, how, how do you guys feel about Calicomanis? You know, he's a sophomore. Um, you know, he's not exactly the most prolific guy as far as, you know, numbers go. I think he's had one game at 200 yards and that was his, his biggest passing game, but that's not really been y'all's specialty. Anyways, it's been run the ball kind of big 10 style football, but is he somebody that is, you know, he's the guy for sure. Like he's going to be the, you know, the starter for the next two and a half years, or are you guys looking for somebody else to come in and maybe give him, you know, a quarterback competition? Max, you want to go first on this one? Yeah. Um, I think, I guess, answer your first question. I think we've overall have liked him. He's, you know, we, we, we've seen what he can do. I think coming in last year, he came in against Nebraska towards the end of the season then kind of wrapped up the rest of the season as the starting quarterback. And, you know, we, we had Tanner Morgan for, it felt like 12 years. Um, so when this tall, strong arm quarterback came in, we were like, Oh wow, this is nice. Like this is what it's like to have a, a real passing quarterback. Um, so coming into the year, I, we all kind of thought, you know, he was going to have to be the guy to kind of take over the, the new regime on offense. Um, and at times he just hasn't shown the consistency of the accuracy um, whether it's, it's either bad decisions or just not throwing the right ball. You just can't kind of figure it out at times. Um, I know we've talked about too, at, 
it feels like even when he's having a good game, it seems like in moments where he's got to have it, he just kind of doesn't have a good feel for like the situations. Um, point at the end of the last game, not, you know, an easy dump off the tight end for a first down wins us the game. And he just overthrows them. It's things like that, that just the inconsistency. And I know he's, is technically like his first year being the full-time starter, but seeing what we saw at the end of last year, we know he has the talent. Uh, so we don't know if it's too much of just the coaching staff getting in his head or new offense coordinator or what, but um, he just hasn't shown the overall consistency uh, for the talent that we know he has. Um, so to your second question, if he is the guy, I, I don't know. I think we've kind of started questioning it uh, in this era of the transfer portal. Maybe we go find someone else if he really is not going to step up and kind of finish up this year. Unfortunately, you know, we need someone that can be consistent and, you know, win us some games. I would say the last two weeks, he's probably silenced the transfer portal talk a little because overall he has had some critical misses, like you said, Max. Um, I think PJ will chalk that up to experience. Uh, but the last two weeks, he's been much more accurate overall. So, um, without these last two games, I think we're pretty shaky on him, but, uh, yeah, I think he's trending in the right direction overall is all I would really have. But if he struggles, you know, if we lose these last three games and it's mainly because we can't hit guys that are wide open, um, then yeah, then I think they'll go after somebody, but I can't see, you know, I was listening to PJ on the radio today and he was talking about how we want to be a program that develops up the quarterback, not saying we'll never like not go to the portal, but you know, Ethan was like his, you know, Ethan was the most talked about recruit I think we've had in a long time. I um, mean, you know, he's a four-star guy out of Illinois. Um, you know, Illinois was pushing hard for him. A lot of other teams wanted him. So I think they're going to kind of like ride or die on the development of Ethan and how, and how it goes. So I don't see him getting switched out. What do you think, Spencer? Yeah, I agree with both Max and Kurt. I think that, you know, trying to give him the benefit of the doubt, like I said earlier, I feel like the conservative nature of this offense and running the ball 30 to 40 times doesn't really give Ethan an opportunity to really take the keys and have, you know, control over the offense. Um, I do feel like he's improved over the past two weeks. I do feel like because our running backs have been banged up, we have had to rely on going to the air a little more. Um, I do think that there's room for improvement and it'll be telling these last three games, you know, um, he had a tremendous first half last week. I think he went like 11 for 13, um, hundred plus yards. I think he had a pair of touchdowns too, or something in the first half, but then the second half, it was like, you know, lights were off. And I don't know if that was because, you know, we just kind of went back, you know, PJ again, he plays not to lose. He doesn't really play to win the game and just kind of step on the gas, even if you have a lead. So I don't know if it was that or they just, you know, Illinois defense just took over. But, um, yeah, I just like to see him be kind of consistent throughout the game. And and hopefully, again, these last three games kind of show him that he's going to be the guy for the next few years. Nice. Uh, well, I feel like Frank and I have been kind of rapid firing questions at you all. Do you have any questions for us about kind of our season coach, you know, signal stealing or sign stealing, apparently? <laughs> Anything? Um, I'll start. Well, let's start with your coach. Just was this the season you guys were picturing? Because, I mean, you know, you just won the West. 
Brom leaves, bringing a completely different, you know, philosophy, defensive head coach. So like what, maybe touch on what your expectations were and then like, how are you feeling about the job he's doing now and, and, and the future that he's going to have. Frank Dillon, you want to, what do you want to take this first? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll start there. I mean, so my expectations realistically were, you know, a six and six, a 500 season. Um, we lost a lot. We lost what five players, of the NFL, I think it was, uh, we lost our head coach and we lost our two best offensive linemen. Um, we're not necessarily a program that's built to recover from that type of a loss necessarily, uh, but we did bring back a lot of key guys, especially on the defensive side. Um, you know, and I think earlier in the season, there are some games that had we not shot ourselves in the foot, we would have won. I mean, uh, Fresno State comes to mind. We should have won that game. And now, I mean, there, there's no should in sports, but, you know, for all intents and purposes, that's a game we had and we just, you know, threw away at the end. You know, then we go and we win at Virginia Tech, Syracuse. I think we had five turnovers in that game and still had a chance to win it um, at the end. You know, we were in the game in Wisconsin. Um, and so we've just lost a lot of what I'm going to call 50-50 games. And a lot of it's been self-inflicted. You know, you guys talked about running backs having fumble issues. We've had the same thing happen uh, with Devin Mockaby really struggling holding on to the ball this season. Um you know, defensively, I expected us to be a little bit better than we are. Uh, that being said, we, we've just had a ton of injuries. And I know that's the name of the game in football. Every team's going to deal with injuries. Um, we've just had a ton of, you know, like our best corners going down, linebackers going down really thin on at the linebacker position now. Um, you know, we're starting some, some freshmen at corner now. It's just, um, you know, really, I, I expected a little bit better defensively. Um, you know, we, we bring in often on the offensive side of the ball, we bring in one of the top recruits in the country or top transfers in the country at Hudson Card. Um, we haven't been able to protect him as well as, you know, what we would have hoped. And I think in a scenario where he's a little bit better protected, he performs a little bit better. Um, but thoughts on Walters as a whole. I mean, next season we have, as of now, like a top 25 recruiting class. Last time I checked, I know we did have a, a guy decommit today, um, not necessarily the the most highly touted recruit in the, in the class. Um, but, you know, the, the future looks really good. Uh, I just think that we have to be patient um, and we have to wait until we kind of get that pipeline going. Um, but, you know, he's a very confident guy and I don't think he is going to blow any smoke. I think he's going to tell these guys, you know, where, where they're, what their what their role is going to be and how they're going to participate. And he's going to tell guys that aren't going to play that that's that not going to play. Um, so I think he's a very different coach than what we're used to seeing. We're used to seeing kind of the, vanilla button down, um, you know, guy who doesn't really use social media all of a sudden down to this young guy who's, you know, uh, blaring music in the locker room, getting players hyped up. So he, he really brings a lot of energy and fans were kind of resistant to that at the beginning. But uh, ultimately, I think that he is a good long term solution. It's just going to take a little bit of time uh, for us to get there. Yeah, pretty much everything Frank said, uh, because he's the big brain of the operation, but I think there was so much there's a big level of hype coming into the year uh, walters being a, a hype guy kind of like what frank said um but of course injuries have really put uh, a damper on a lot um i still i love walters i think Walt. i i you know i i hope he's the guy i think he's the guy you know i i know you guys aren't on purdue twitter but but we are and it has been a disaster the last few days and people want walters fired they compare him to daryl hazel which is the most ridiculous thing anybody can ever come up with i was in the trenches for coach walt and if he's watching which i know he is 
don't remember me when you're out there when we're doing it big and i i was the one sticking up for you because so many people are upset <laughs> and i think it's it's this for a lot of fan bases when things aren't going good right away they panic they freak out they hit the panic button everything's done the world's ending but then everything will be fine so i think uh you know the guy's been head coach for nine games now like let's let's relax let's kind of sit back and let the process roll out but no i i love coach Walt. i think he's a great coach i think he he, he works really well with uh the kids he's got coming in he relates really well to the youth uh some may say um but i i think everything's fine you know it's just one of those years first year head coach first ever you know time being a head coach uh injuries you know we talked about the offensive line among many others and everything frank said um so i i think everything will be all right i'm excited still um i'm not hitting the panic button yet a lot of people are but uh i just purdue fans need to relax they just need to chill it's basketball season okay let's it's all it's almost over just a few more games and we'll be on let's get the bucket and let's call it a year and let's get the next year well one thing i think that's important too for purdue fans to remember um you know according to pff we have officially played the hardest schedule in the country not, not number five not number four but actually number one now um, so, you know, it's, it's hard to, to have something new happen, a whole new coaching regime, a whole bunch of new players, a whole bunch of guys leave and then go play the hardest schedule in the country. It's hard yeah, to not yeah. have, it's hard to have those two things happen, you know, and have such a bad season with the, you know, with respect to record and not panic, you know, there's just a lot of change, but I think when you factor that in and, and it also doesn't look good that our previous coach, you know, goes to another school and is having a ton of success. But he also inherited an eight, an eight win team at that school who had yeah. their coach leave. So it wasn't like he inherited a bad team that needed to rebuild. He just went to, you know, he had a great opportunity in front of him. And I don't blame him for going. Um, so, well, Nick, Nick Burris brings up a good point in the comment. You know, Purdue fans, especially at our age, are simply exhausted of rebuilds. I'm younger than all of you, but that's fine. We, you know, I'm still young and spry. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it rebuilds suck, right? Like nobody wants to be in a rebuild, but. Uh, face it, Purdue fans, we're not Ohio State, we're not Michigan, we're not Alabama. We can't continually rebuild year after year and bring in these absolute massive individuals who just happen so somehow to be 18. Like these guys are seven foot, 400 pounds. We, we are going to get that. We're not at that level yet. Hopefully, one day we will, you know. But as of right now, we are not in that position to just be like, oh, everything's fine year after year. Like there's going to be these years. Where you're going to fall off a little bit but hopefully the key is that you bounce back uh that's still to be determined but we'll see yeah so frank touched on it you know how much we lost last season it wasn't just the normal you know we did lose guys at the draft we had five guys get drafted which is nice for a program like purdue program sorry dylan program. um but one of the the big things i think that gets lost in this coaching transition is we were way behind the game you know so we you know, you see a lot of coaching transition transitions that happen now. You know, they happen right at the end of the season, or sometimes even before the end of the season. You know, you especially you, we got two teams in the conference that they fired their coach either before the season or, or during the season, and they have an interim guy that seems to be kind of nailing down the job. Well, you know, we went to the Big Ten championship game, so we played a week longer than everybody else, and then the week after that is when we lost our head coach, and then we started losing guys to the portal we started losing recruits decommitting and we still didn't have a new coach you know and we're losing guys and a week or two goes by we still don't have a new coach and some and of those guys followed that coach 
Yeah. To where, guys where, where, does, where does he coach again? Uh, the Birds with Teeth University. Yeah, with teeth. Down in you can't don't say Louisville, guys. Don't say Louisville because these two live there and they'll they'll tell you it's Louisville. Yeah, but um, you know, by the time we hired Coach Walters, you know, a lot of time had gone by. A lot of guys in the portal had already signed. A lot of the guys that decommitted from Purdue had already recommitted somewhere else. And so I was kind of like, well, this is definitely gonna be a rebuilding year. We've lost all these guys. We're way behind on the coaching search. He's gonna be way behind on recruiting. But then he came in and he hit the he hit the portal hard, especially with Hudson Card. That was the big guy that he got. Um, you know, many thought was one of the top quarterbacks in the in the transfer portal. And he got a few other bodies here and there that kind of made me believe, okay, you know, maybe we can build on this. And his mindset was, we're gonna build on going to the Big Ten championship game last year. And so I was very high on that. And then, you know, even before the season started, we're starting our third string center and you know, our star tight end is out and we're thin at wide receiver. And it's kind of like, okay, we'll see. And how then your center is playing two other positions. Right. Right. But, you know, as Dylan alluded to these people on Twitter that are comparing him to the worst eras in Purdue football and some the of the worst, worst coaches, in the Purdue nine football. wins in four seasons are comparing this guy to, and he's coached nine games in his entire career. I could, right. Oh, but, I could go the, on. It, the it part drives of it is, me nuts. Purdue has stars on their team this year. Purdue's got guys that are going to be in the conversation for, you know, all the all freshman team in conference for, you know, first team, second team honors in conference. And we didn't have those in those bad years of the Purdue football program. We didn't have guys getting drafted. We didn't have guys getting talked about as, as great None of it. prospects. We were just getting beat 63 to 10 each week and 56 to, to, to seven in max schools. Yes. To like terrible schools. And so, what, you know, let me, we're friends with a lot of those guys that were on those teams. They were great. <laughs> okay. I don't listen. Yeah, shout yeah. out to my guy, Chuck. Uh, but, I mean, they'll tell you, we've had them on the show. Those years were the worst. I was there every home game. I don't know why I did it to myself, but I did. And it was terrible. It was not fun. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, but yeah, what I mean is, I guess, production wise, like, yeah, they yeah, were yeah. obviously good athletes. We did, we did still have guys like Raheem Mostert was from that era, right? You had, but that's, great I things. was, somebody tweeted the other day, Hazel had a lot of guys, Raheem, so many others, and then just couldn't. It just absolutely did nothing with it. Yeah, yeah, and he they but they weren't guy. even in the conversation for like all conference honors when they played. Yeah. At least we have guys right now that you know Dylan Thieman's what second in the country in, in solo tackles. You know, Dog. I already talked to you about Scorton and Jenkins. Dog. You know, Card is actually I think still top four or five in the conference in passing yards. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think this guy's falling. I think everybody needs to chill out. Like, I don't understand you know where they're getting this. Where the this is the worst team in Purdue football history. Like it makes that's, no that's nuts. That's they nuts. have no basis behind it. They just I I have guys in my comment or my replies on Twitter X, whatever the hell you want to call it, that are at, that are like fire him, like get rid of him. And they're probably the same people that are like fire painter, which is also ridiculously stupid. But it, I just I I've tried to put myself in their shoes and I can't I I can't and I'm dumb. I can't be that dumb. And I'm pretty damn dumb, but those people are even dumber. <laughs> I've told them that on Twitter. I'll say it on the podcast. They're dumb. Sorry. What else? What else y'all got? Uh, yeah. So when looking into you guys a little bit, I was shocked that you guys already talked about that you had two guys with I think seven. Sorry, my dog's trying to jump up on my lap right now. Oh, we love uh, that. You had two two guys with seven sacks, according to the internet. At least that's how many they got. Um, <laughs> and you mentioned having the young safety so far back off the field. Are you guys more of an aggressive style defense up front and then just let people beat you over the top or, or maybe talk about maybe the, maybe the style of your defense and what have you guys been struggling with on defense? Let's go with that. 
Yeah, just right off the top, I would say we're not a, a necessarily beat over the top defense. You know, the the intermediate stuff, the slants have definitely hurt us, but Dylan Thieneman's the second fastest dude on our roster. So he doesn't get beat very often. So we don't really give up the home run play as often as what we have in the past, and especially some of those bad We don't years. throw those. So yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, we're we're definitely, you know, we're aggressive up front. You know, having 10 guys that close to the line of scrimmage, you've got it, you know, you're obviously playing some kind of aggressive um defense, but you know, yeah, it's it's a mix of, of things, and I think Frank can probably talk more on that. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty rare that we're not rushing five, um, a minimum five at, at minimum, um, and you know it, we're almost exclusively men um, as well. But the uh, you know who's covering who is always kind of a mystery. So there's a lot of confusion and a lot of you know schematic misdirection that goes on uh, defensively. But it's it's kind of. Um, you know, he's, he's not looking to fool anyone necessarily. He's looking to perfect what he does. Um, so you think about, you know, offensively uh, with, with Iowa, maybe defensively with Iowa, like, you know what you're going to get. They're just so good at doing it. Um, or, you know, to, historically with, with, with Wisconsin offensively, you know what they're going to do. They're just really good at doing it. So I think that's the identity he's trying to create defensively. Um, you know, the, the pass rush is very good. Uh, the combination of Kadron Jenkins and Nick Scorton on the edges is, is, you know, they're in the quarterback's face um, pretty frequently. Uh, and I, I'm glad you, you know, mentioned, you know, sacks versus pressures. You know, sacks aren't the most telling stat. Uh, pressures are pretty, uh, pretty significant as well. And actually, looking at um, at Athens' uh, numbers under pressure, he's actually pretty good, uh, which is another thing that has me concerned about this game this weekend. Uh, I mean, he his adjusted completions percentage goes from 69 to 61 under pressure. So not a huge drop off there. And you, know, you see some quarterbacks go, um, you know, drop 20% and that's that. So um, really interesting uh, stat there, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's more of a, a really aggressive, um, you know, man, lots of hand fighting and lots of sticking to your receivers uh, defensively. So it's, um, it's, it's a new scheme, you know, one that we're not necessarily used to seeing as Purdue fans. And I think there's been a little bit of hesitation um, in in the like kind of transition from the old style of playing to the new style. But the one key piece is uh, is Thiem in there in, in, in the backfield because he he his speed. I mean, I think he is a sub four four uh, 40 yard uh, time. So he's really, really quick. And he's he's saved a lot of home run passes and a lot of would be touchdowns with his speed. Yeah, so um, I think Nick or Cody, one of you all said something in the comments about our cover corners have not been great. Uh, that's something that, you know, we also need to work on getting our guys for is because, you know, the guys that are, quote, playing cover corner, you know, four of them that play the majority or have played the majority of the snaps this year, two of them were transfers and two of them played safety their whole career. And now they're getting asked to play cover corner. So that's another reason we're kind of struggling with the getting diced up by the intermediate stuff, because they're they're getting put in different spots that they aren't necessarily used to playing. But you know, Walters is is like Frank said, he's sticking to his guns and he's trying to get them to perfect this craft. And you've seen what it can happen or what can happen when they, that happens against Illinois. You know, it worked very well. You know, we started compounding the big plays and it kind of snowballed and, and it it turned into a good result. But um, we got we're about what 50 minutes. So we're about 10 minutes short of an hour. So uh, we'll go ahead and start hopping into kind of actual predictions and what you guys think is going to happen. And uh, maybe you can throw a score in there. So I'll let you guys. Uh, start there down there, Sky. You all right? So, my uh, this is kind of tough for me, especially coming after this loss. Um, you know, we know Walters was that defensive coordinator at Illinois before coming. Um, 
Gophers have been struggling against Illinois the past few years. Um, that kind of worries me, even though there's been banged up, you know, even banged up on defense and across the team, it still is a worry to me. Um, it almost feels like I hope that PJ gets these kids to, to come in hyped. You know, it it's appeared to me, it was a little deflating and Max, Kurt and I were certainly de- deflated right after that football game. Cause everything just kind of fizzled right in front of us in the span of three plays. So, um, I think keys to the game are, you know, discipline, you know, usually PJ is keeps the guys very disciplined and, you know, we, we can handle penalties. So I think that's important, but also being tough up front. I think the winners up front in the trenches are going to win this football game. Um, That being said, because of the injuries that you're experiencing up front, I think that the Gophers might have the edge. I'm going to go, go for 17 to 14. I like it. Um, yeah, for me, I think I think the key for me is really just how this team responds. Um, if we can just come out, you know, I feel like the easiest uh, the easiest motivator here is hey, you get a two thirty game on NBC against a team that has been struggling. So this is your time to go and play on national TV again and show what you can do. And hey, we're you know we're not no one's ever out of the West race, right? I mean, like Nebraska could still make the the big 10 championship game. So um, we'll see what's going on. Um, the biggest thing is if we do get out to an early lead, I hope PJ keeps his fingerprints off of it and lets the offense keep rolling um, and ac- actually trying to score points. Cause it feels like that just never happens. Um, but I'll, I think we come away with a win uh, 24 to 17. Yeah. Um, if we get Darius Taylor back, that will be huge. I'm not going to hold my breath. Um, we did get Zach Evans, who's like our RB2 now this year, back a little bit last game. He seemed to be on a pitch count, though, because he only carried the ball like, I don't know, like 10 times. Didn't get it a ton. But, um, yeah, I like our D-line against your guys' O-line just on paper. So I think that's going to be an edge. And I just think that we're going to run the ball enough to maybe limit your your guy's ability to get after the passer. So um, watch for Daniel Jackson on offense. He's going to be the guy that we do attempt deep shots to. Um, he's our best receiver. He seems to make a pretty nice play for, for a big gain or a touchdown every game. So I'm going to go with the goal first, 24 to 20. Um, I don't think it'll be pretty, but I think it's going to be a close one. We're all homers, I guess. So we're going to stick with the ghosts and uh, pull this one off. Let's keep going in a circle there. Frank, what you got? Yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of uh, – Spencer, I'm kind of in the same camp as you and thinking that, you know, this game's going to be one in the trenches. Um, one interesting thing that I did just recently read about this game is that there are only 2,000 tickets left, uh, which is, like, shocking given that, you know, we're a two-win team right now. Um, so I think if there's one advantage we have, you know, yeah – yeah, you're right. You know, it's a it's a, a 3:30 Eastern game. You know, on prime time. Um, you know, we're, we're talking a, a potential sellout. Now, attendance sellout doesn't always you know equal a full stadium. Um, but I think that you know ultimately it comes down to a couple of things. Um, does Abdul Rahman Yassin play? Because that just gives us a, you know that that extra speedy receiver and it makes us that much harder to defend. Um, you know, does does Jack Ansel play? You know, we, we don't even know if our if our elite hunter is going to be playing after. Front of the program. Yeah, 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 I got uh, tackled against Michigan, and 
you know, no flag. Uh, so there's just a lot of question marks uh, in terms of who plays. So I think it comes down to, you know, the atmosphere and it comes down to who actually plays for Purdue. Um, but I, I think it's going to be an ugly game. Uh, Purdue has shown the ability to stop the run against some pretty good running backs this season. Uh, if we can do that again, um, I think Purdue can pull out a 17-14 win, but in Purdue's favor. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm hoping Purdue comes out with a chip on their shoulder. Um, I'm hoping they come out a little pissed off about you know how the season's gone so far. Um, I'm hoping uh, Card plays a good game and that our guy Devin Mockaby, uh, you know, runs downhill like he has been in the past. Uh, hopefully, that is while holding on to the ball. Um, so, you know, my prediction each and every single week, I don't give scores. It's spoilers by a billion, baby. Yeah, that that last part I think is is what's going to be the key. Um, not the boilers by billions part, but uh, the second to last. Yeah, uh, yeah, the second to last. The uh, hanging onto the football, I think, is where it's going to come down to because I think, I think both D lines are going to perform quite well. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of big plays, tackles for loss, sacks. It's going to be who can hang on to the football. Um, I think I give you know our running backs an edge. You know, I think with you know Bockaby and, and Tracy and, and Downing, we've got a, a pretty good three-headed monster there. Our, our passing game hasn't been as great. We Like I said, we started the season thin at that position, uh, both wide receivers and tight ends. You know, we got Garrett Miller back healthy, but then we lost uh, Max Clare, who looked like a, a pretty promising uh, freshman. But, you know, I think if we can hold on to the ball and, you know, the key to that attendance thing, Frank, that you said is the fact that it's going to be 61 degrees in November in the Big Ten in the Midwest. And that's that's not very that's not very uh, common. You know, I'm used to going to these late season games for Purdue because the tickets are cheap because nobody wants to go because it's going to be like 10 degrees. So I think that that will give us a, a good edge. I think that's why Vegas gives us a one point edge. And, you know, I think if we can hold on to the football, I think you see, you know, it's still being a pretty ugly game. Because like I said, when the defensive lines are feasting, you know, the offenses don't, don't do much. So, um, you know, I think it'll be, you know, maybe something like a, We'll say like a nineteen seventeen kind of an odd score. Uh, and oh, Purdue, the year Purdue you were born. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So I do want to surprise at least one of y'all at the last second here. So do y'all play uh, face football? Anybody? Mm-hmm. Yep. So so Max, did you realize that you somehow snuck into our face football league? <laughs> oh man, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I apologize if I, well, I I guess I shouldn't apologize because you guys all probably have a win against me. <laughs> No, so you, I mean, you are in last, but you actually did somehow manage two wins um, just by being auto drafted because really? you and Frank got auto drafted and you guys ended up with two of the best teams. I think just the lack of moves is kind of what will put you behind there. So <laughs> I had to call you out on that. But um, anybody have any parting notes on the, on this game Saturday? Um, no, I think I agree. I think it's going to be ugly. Uh, yeah, I, our right tackle is the weakest pass blocker, so if you guys attack him, that's that's a spot. But don't classic do that. West football, <laughs> you know. It's I like yeah. you know these West games are fun. So, are I'm any excited. of y'all actually able to make the trip at all? Or no, I got. Uh, we just got back from Arizona for one, and then two. I I got you know. There's like diaper keggers going on now. That's a thing. And so I got my cousins having a baby. Okay. So I'm driving up north here in state. And uh, yeah, doing that Saturday, I'll be there for the game. You know, right. probably hitting the keg pretty good and getting a free ride back for my brother. So yeah. <laughs> Dylan, you going to be able to make it? Uh, I'm hoping. 
I it's it's sure he's still I'm gonna be a game time decision. I'm hoping okay. I am. I may have two free tickets to anybody. I don't know. I'll let you know on Twitter. Hey, there you go. There you go. Well, um, before we go, I want to go ahead and thank uh, Big Banter Sports uh, for being a partner with us and and helping things like this happen because it's it's always fun to talk about our games, but it's even cooler to get a perspective from the other fan base and a podcast that you know knows a lot more about that team than what we do. So I uh, appreciate you all tuning in. Um, we're right at that hour mark, so uh, hopefully we didn't make Hold this on. day too long. You just got to last 10 more seconds. What's you that? just got to make it one hour. All right. Okay. So Nick Burr said, if you guys come hit me up, I, I will, I will do that. So my dad and I are headed up. We're going to try to get up there as early as we can um, to try to tailgate a little bit. I mean, you three... wake up at the butt crack of dawn. So that I be... do, I do. But uh, those mid afternoon starts too are great for tailgating. I think that also builds up the atmosphere. Doesn't so, that get in the way your afternoon you know, nap? <laughs> you know what? I'll manage. I'll manage. Uh, we'll, we'll get energy drink or coffee in there. And we'll Cody, I'll have my people call your people. I'll, I'll let you know if I don't end up going. I can attest to Nick's, uh, Nick's tailgates. They're always a good time. Oh, uh, Nick's a good time. Listen, yeah, there's no nice. doubt about that. Nick's a damn good time. Right? Yeah. Nice. Well, uh, thanks again to uh, Blitzboard and uh, to Martin Vintage and to the Sky You guys for joining us tonight. So hope you all enjoyed it. Hope you all learned a, a thing or two maybe or had a laugh or two. But uh <laughs> Appreciate it. Appreciate it. He's, he's 115. <laughs> Boiler up.